0: Hello and welcome to 90 Hayden Row, the podcast that focuses on all things Hopkinton High School, where each episode we'll discuss all types of news and updates pertaining to HHS, celebrate our many student successes and accomplishments, highlight our incredible teaching staff, take on the newest and maybe controversial topics in education, share some personal stories, and reflect on what life is like for students, parents, and staff up on the hill. I'm Evan Bishop, principal here at the high school, As we turn the calendar from September to October, we're embarking on a month that is rather stressful for our seniors and their parents, as many of them will be applying to college with all the early decision and early action deadlines coming up in mid-October or the beginning of November, which kind of culminates many months of, of this planning process. And so I had the opportunity to talk a little bit to a senior caitlin graziano to get an inside scoop on what life is like right now for a senior as they get ready to start a very exciting year but also to prepare for a really stressful time with post-secondary planning all right caitlin thank you so much for joining the podcast we appreciate you having you here tell us a little bit about how senior is going
1: Um, senior year has been good. I think that it's really an exciting year. And like, especially the first week with so many events, you, you kick off, you come in running, um,
0: the senior sunrise. Yes, exactly.
1: Senior sunrise, like showing up with your tie dye shirts. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's a really, you start off high energy from the beginning. And I think that that part is really exciting and like, you know, going to games, running the student section. I can um, tell that
0: obviously people can't see you right now on the podcast, yeah. but clearly you are in some type of spirit outfit now. Yes. What is this for?
1: Yes. This is our, our psych up for our game today for soccer. We did, um, cowboy themes.
0: How do you come up with these themes?
1: Um, we just sit down at our spaggers and we say, what are we doing tomorrow? Okay. So Friday we're doing businessmen. So okay. we're all going to wear like button downs and ties.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, all so right. Stay tuned for that. All right. Can't wait. Can't wait.
1: Um, but it's also definitely been a stressful year. Um, you know, still trying to keep the intensity of classes. So lots of APs, trying to keep the intensity of extracurriculars. And then obviously filling out my college applications, writing my supplementals, nailing down my essay. The whole. When
0: did, so... I'm glad you got into that because, you know, obviously we're, as adults, we're always told not to ask seniors about this process, post-secondary process. It just yeah. stresses them out. But yeah. the purpose of the podcast is to ask these
1: questions. Right, so bear with exactly. me. exactly. But
0: I appreciate you opening the door here. So when did this whole process start for you? Um,
1: I would say that I really started nailing down my list at the beginning of last year. And then I started going on tours... I think my first real official tours were over February break last year. We did D.C. Um, and to be honest, sometimes I feel like that was a little bit late just because I'm very busy. So it was hard to fit in all my tours. Like, I'm still touring schools right now.
0: And you feel that's late?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like, I have tours booked on October 15th. And if I love those schools, I got to have supplements ready and have the application ready so I can mm-hmm. submit, like, two weeks later. Um But, like, when I really started getting into the work was probably the spring of junior year Mm because that's when we first logged on to Common App. So, we started working on our essays in school in Lang. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it sort of just goes from there, like, you sort of start rolling on your own.
0: Sure. So, what are you, so you said you visited DC. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have maybe some other places you're visiting soon. So, Mm -hmm. what is your kind of whole plan for after high school?
1: I am like, fall 2023 i'm gonna start college Mm -hmm. like i'm not gonna take a year off or anything um i really wanted i really want to study either business like something marketing related or political science um which is sort of why i fell in love with the dc area and i really want to be in a city just because i want to have like city life Mm -hmm. be an aspect of the next four years um, so just been sort of looking to find something that checks a lot of those boxes, has sure, sure. good programs.
0: Now, have you taken any business classes here?
1: I did. I took the yeah. creative business and marketing class here. And then last year I took an online elective that was marketing. Focused. Oh, great. Awesome. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah.
0: So you talked a little bit about supplements, about deadlines, visits. What, if you were to kind of pinpoint kind of what the most stressful aspects right now for someone who is a senior fall semester, what would what would some of those stressful parts be to you or the most stressful yeah
1: i think the hardest part is really sitting down and writing everything like writing your essay and writing your supplements because and i've talked about this with a lot of my friends like they seem very straightforward and you feel like oh i know exactly what i'm going to say i just have to sit down and put it down on paper Mm -hmm. but it is a lot different to try and type out your thoughts than it is to just Mm -hmm. have them and especially when it comes I mean, actually any of the essays in that word limit, like you have a lot to say and you want to say so much because these are the essays that are going to get you into college. So you want to sound wise and well-rounded and include all this stuff. But to do it in under 250 words is not easy. Stuff. Yeah. Um, so I think that the other stuff is, isn't bad. Like common app, you're just filling out information about yourself and your scores, numbers, whatever. But getting the essays together has really been the hardest part. How
0: many essays have you had to... Write at this
1: point. Um, I think I only have to write like four or five supplemental essays. I got lucky. I don't have a ton Seems of like, like <laughs> early schools. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you can get a lot worse. Like four or five, and I think three are for just one school. So that breaks down pretty nicely. I know that there are kids who like all of the schools that they're applying to early have supplements. So I sort of broke up. I broke. I I I, I was. I got a good list of schools. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So, is that something from your friends you're hearing the most? Is the supplements and the essays are the most stressful part too, or you're, yeah? It, you're... I just
1: think that that's the biggest part. It's the most time consuming. Um, everything else, like, it really is so simple. You just have to take 15 minutes to sit down in Common App and put in your grades and put in your ACT or SAT scores. Like, talk about your parents and their education and your siblings. Like, it's not that's not a really thoughtful and time-consuming process. Um, but the essays are really what like takes up the time.
0: And so speaking of kind of a a thoughtful process, you've talked a little bit about what you might want to major in and and maybe some city life. What other things go into what you're looking for in a college and university?
1: Um, I think that community was a really big thing for me, especially looking at city schools. Like um a couple of the schools that i toured were a little bit too city like the campus is just way too spread out there's not a lot of common areas like i i think that having gone to this high school where everything is so close and interconnected and Mm -hmm. i've known these Mm -hmm. people for so long like i really didn't want to lose that sense of community when i went off to college so sort of having kind of four walls around campus Mm -hmm. or like at least some common space where you can see people Mm -hmm. and and you know be reminded that like college life is going on around you, Like it's <laughs> yeah. not just yeah. businessmen, sure. yeah. um, as well as I didn't want something that was too huge and overwhelming, um, which I think size is very, like a very personal choice. I know a lot of people who love a good Big Ten school, like mm-hmm. go to crazy football games yeah. and do all that. Um, I wanted something mid-sized, like I wanted, I didn't want anything too small, but not too big. Um, But like for some people, small is also the move and they want just like intimate, Mm -hmm. you know, somewhere remote.
0: What about potential? I know you're, you're an athlete, you get involved in some other activities, Mm -hmm. other things when you're looking at a college besides the academics, the location um, that you're looking for, maybe some extracurricular activities, what would you like to be doing? Um,
1: It is interesting because I feel like in my, in my last four years and even since middle school, like I've changed the path of my extracurriculars a lot. So just looking for something that has a lot of diversity and opportunity for me to go into it and see what I want to do and see if I want to continue playing soccer, Mm -hmm. continue doing stuff that's theater related, like just sort of test the waters and see what I'm going to want and have space to change and do something different and new. That's awesome.
0: Speaking of kind of that idea in terms of uh, what you're looking for, when you're filling out these applications and, and writing the supplemental essays, what do you think colleges... Are wanting to see on your application from a student's perspective when you're doing all these things Like, have you thought about like what, are they, what, are you, what do they might want in my application
1: I feel like what I've gathered the most is that they really want diversity like having a lot of different activities a widespread of stuff like um just like showing that you've done a lot of different things in your life that make you well-rounded that you're not just taking a bunch of APs so you don't do anything else, Um, but that you're challenging yourself in school, playing a sport, and then, you know, maybe you have another extracurricular that you're really passionate about, or you work a job, and, you know, you go to a couple clubs, like, just having, being able to show that you have several different sides of yourself, and do a lot, and enjoy what you do.
0: Now, did you have that mentality coming into high school? Did that click at some point, maybe when you went to visit a college, in terms of When does a student, maybe put yourself back a few years, start to think about all of these things?
1: I started thinking about college, like, the moment I walked through these doors freshman year. Um, and I think that freshman year, I actually was so worried about grades and numbers and how that would affect my college application that I took it really slow, like, getting into extracurriculars and starting things, um, And so I I think that, like, looking back, I don't regret it because it worked out, but I think that that would definitely be some advice is, like, start diversifying your profile from the beginning. Like, if you can't take all the APs, I think it's okay as long as you are making time to do something else that shows that you are a passionate student and applicant. Absolutely.
0: Do you think in terms of AP courses, we have a lot of students taking AP courses Mm here, and um, even from sophomore year on. Yeah. What kind of, from a student's perspective, stress do you feel that exists in this school around taking AP classes?
1: Um, I think it would be the ability to take the most. Like, I think that there is really this narrative that you have to take every single AP that is offered to you if you want to get into college if you want to do well, whatever. And for some students and for the schools that they're choosing to apply to, maybe that is the success plan. But I think that there are so many opportunities for you to do well and not take five APs every single year. Um, And so I think that you really have to sit down with your schedule and logic out, like, what is really the most thoughtful set of APs for you to take and what you're both going to enjoy and what's going to take you far. Like, I... Started in AP Chem my junior year and I hated it and I was having a really miserable time and I just sat down and was like, I'm not going into science. I have no interest in STEM. Like, is it really worth it for me to be, you know, losing my cool Mm -hmm. over this class? (laughs) I can't
0: picture you you losing your cool. (laughs) You would be surprised. AP Chem
1: Chem brought a dark side of me out. Um, So I chose not to stay in that course. How
0: difficult was that decision?
1: It was really difficult. It was really difficult. What I, played
0: into it? What, what stretched you out the most? Because I feel like that is a situation that a lot of our students find themselves in.
1: I just, like, sitting in that classroom, I felt like I was surrounded by a lot of people who were really passionate and interested about science and who were enjoying chemistry and were understanding it. And then to leave that class and go to AP US History or AP Lang, where I was really enjoying the class and I felt like I had something to contribute and, like, could participate. And I was like this this experience just isn't gonna bring me anywhere like if i stay in here and suffer and get a mediocre grade that's not going to help my gpa and then take the test and not do very well on it just to say i took ap chem when i could go down to honors chem and be very successful and like have a better year where i can focus on other things that i'm more passionate about
0: that's I appreciate that. That's that's good advice. I think for a lot of our students as we're picking classes. And um, one thing that as a school we've toyed around with a little bit is mm-hmm. limiting the amount of APs a student can take in a particular year. We haven't made that decision finalized yet. There's a lot of factors that play into it. Um, I know some other high schools around the area do that. But what, what from a from your perspective, do you think that would be something smart for the school to do? To you know only two APs sophomore year, three junior year, four senior year, or something to that effect. Yeah. Or do you think The way we have it now is you can take as many as you want or as many as you can handle
1: well i think that something that really like echoes through my mind and i would assume through other students minds is when you go to these college info sessions and when you're taking these tours a lot of the admissions counselors will say to you when we see your application we're going to look at your school and we're going to compare you and the tracks that you could have been on were you challenging yourself enough were you pushing yourself And I think that that gets in a lot of students' heads to be like, okay, well, I have to take all of the APs offered to me because they're offered to me. Um, And so I think the idea of limiting it could help students be able to be like, oh, well, when they look at my school, they'll see that I could take max four senior year and I took max four and I was balanced and I did well and they can't punish me for not taking five. That wasn't an option. Yeah,
0: that's a good point. I think that's... The fear when we even start to have these conversations about limiting the AP is what's going to be the impact on the mm-hmm. students. And I think to your point, which is really well said, colleges will tell us that if you have a limit, we'll know that, and then that's how we'll kind of yeah. gauge the students versus each other. Yeah. So but getting to that point is is it's been a challenge for us here. Yes. You know?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So um, along kind of these lines that we're talking, what can parents do, maybe from You know, maybe you don't need to speak directly to your parents, but just generally (laughs) speaking. What can uh, parents do to help their seniors throughout this process?
1: I think that the biggest thing for me was the tours. Like, I I really needed my parents to be very active in those because um, I'm very afraid of, like, crossing a school off my list that, like, could have been my dream school and, like, not ending up where I'm supposed to be. But that's just, that's separate. That's (laughs) personal. Um, Where do you think the
0: dream school idea comes from?
1: uh, Probably, like, the media, Media. I guess. But I also, like, my two parents both went to Boston College. My mom toured there spontaneously one day after she went on a terrible college tour, fell in love, and knew it was her school. Obviously, like, went there, met my dad, Mm -hmm. So, like, I, I, I think that I also grew up with this narrative that, like, there's, there's a school out there school's that's going right, to be sure, really good sure. for you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but I have just always been really afraid of crossing schools off my list for fear of, like, not ending up there and then being like, dang, I really wish I had gone to yeah. wherever. I almost
0: feel like that can almost never end, right? Yeah. There's just so many options. Yes,
1: yeah. exactly. So, it, it's been really nice to have my dad who will go on tours with me and be like, what did you think of that school? And I'm like, you know, I don't know. It was it was fine. It was good. And then to have him be like, you know, I I didn't feel like this was very you. Like, I didn't feel like this really fit your vibe. And sort of be able to be like, you know what? You're right. Like, I didn't like that. And there's no reason for me to be fighting to protect this school. I don't need it yeah, on my list. Yeah, right, I have yeah, plenty. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was a huge process. And then just from time to time, checking in, I... I feel like you need to find a middle ground of like not being completely checked out of the actual applications, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but also not but also being not so doing it for you. <laughs> yeah, or being so checked in that like you're ruining like your the the student's life is consumed by yeah, the applications because sure. yep. it's every day they get home. What are you doing for college today? What are you doing for college this weekend? Um, so just making sure that like they're getting stuff done, they're meeting deadlines, mm-hmm. whatever, but they have a good balance in their life okay. I think that if you get too deep into the college process it's it's overwhelming and you have to break it into chunks mm-hmm. so you can't you can't force the student to be all in yeah
0: what other uh obviously it sounds like your parents were super supportive throughout this process which is great mm-hmm. to hear um you know I think sometimes we tell parents that Try not to talk about college, freshman year, or even sophomore year, Mm -hmm. but I think there's a lot of pressure that goes around that. Obviously we have guidance seminars here and you have a counselor that you work with. What other resources have you used Mm -hmm. to kind of help you plan for for next year?
1: Um, I'm meeting with a college counselor um, and she has like mostly been working on me with my essay, but she's also, she's sort of a friend. We're like on a board together. We do a lot of um, work outside of college. So she's just been a nice resource to sometimes, if I have a quick question, like shoot her a text and just be like, what is this supposed to be like? What is this like? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm scheduling my interview for a school right now, and so I texted her yesterday, I was like, can you proofread this email, like sure. make sure. Yep. Yep. Um, and then I, I also have an aunt who's a college counselor, so checking in with her, getting opinions on different things, sure. just, I think that that's been really important for me is getting a lot of different opinions from people who understand the process and are very aware of what schools are looking at now Mm -hmm. and what I need to be doing and where I need to be at. Now
0: you, um, looking ahead, right, like Mm -hmm. you get through this, you you, you do the essays, you apply, fingers crossed, you get into a number of schools. Have you thought about the, do you have a clear-cut school that you're hoping for or do you think the next wave of having to make a decision is going to be actually more stressful than this part
1: um i thought that it was very clear-cut for a very long time but then i feel like the more schools that i toured i got a little bit um a little bit hazier on like if Mm -hmm. if i really had a top school so um i am not going to be eding anywhere i can't make that commitment but i have a lot of early action schools that i'm going to apply to and just sit down with them and be like really where do i want to november first
0: most of the deadlines yes
1: Yeah. 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 yeah that comes quick Yes, I know. Oh, I know.
0: Um, We actually have a a few weeks, I think it's on October 14th, we have that senior transition day where we actually give the students time back.
1: Yeah. But
0: I think sometimes (laughs) at that point, a lot of them are already done with their applications and essays.
1: Right? Yeah, That's but work. even just to like sit down and look over everything one more time. I feel like every time I'm on Common App, I like fall down a new rabbit hole and mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, I didn't even know this was here. Like <laughs> I guess I gotta get this done too. It's
0: never ending. Um, yeah.
1: so so it will be good to just have that time to just sit and be like, Did I do everything? Mm-hmm. Like are all of my boxes checked, yeah. all my ducks in a row. Yeah, yep.
0: you seem very organized.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: So we talked a little bit about earlier you changing down from AP chem to honors chem and some mm-hmm. advice that you have. Um, and I didn't mention earlier, one of the things I feel like when I'm watching TV with my daughters who are in fifth grade, I know we talked a little bit about how they play soccer too, Yeah. but I feel like a lot of their shows, there's someone getting ready to go to college and it's always Stanford, Yale, Harvard, and all these yeah. big schools. So I think that's sometimes where they get this Absolutely. idea of that's where you're supposed to be the going. Media,
1: yeah. It's like
0: to your point, the media. How do you... How do you think students well maybe let's just start with you how do you define success
1: um i like f- i for a long time was a very numerical person and like i was the kind of kid who was checking power school like every single day you know, making sure everything's going in like yeah. got all the a's whatnot and i wouldn't say that i've changed that much but i think that for me the definition of success is doing something to the fullest that you are proud of like being able to walk away from something and be like, I'm really proud of how I did on that, of of what I accomplished there. Um and and just being like it's sort of a weight off your back almost when you finish something and you're like, I did that and I did it well. And I'm proud of the way that I did it. Mm-hmm. And um to be able to sort of carry that with you, the legacy of like accomplishing something yeah, like that's that. Great. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Yes, we thank you for it. having Good me. Good luck in your game. Thank you. So I just want to thank Caitlin again for taking the time to be part of the the podcast. Clearly, she is a very articulate, mature young woman with an incredibly bright future ahead. Although she's pretty stressed right now, she seems to be taking it in stride, and we wish her all the best in a great senior year, great soccer season, but also uh, wherever she does land uh, next fall, we'll be certainly lucky to have her. So we talk a lot about post-secondary planning Here at Hockington High School, we have a tremendous guidance staff that works with our students throughout the course of four years as they get ready to plan. They work with parents. Obviously, we're having a lot of conversations with the community about different options, the process, how it all works, standardized tests, all of it. But one group that is rather underrepresented when we have these conversations in a very important group is college admissions reps. Obviously, a big part of the process, have a lot of information that will certainly be useful for our students and families. And as we talk about the stress that students are under, families are under, I had the opportunity to speak with Owen Grover, uh, the Associate Director of Admissions at Boston College. So, Owen, tell us a little bit about your role at at, at Boston College and how you got into this work.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, at Boston College, I'm an Associate Director of Undergraduate Admission. Meaning, um, I work with all of our applicants every year who are applying to Boston College. Um, you know, part of my job is definitely to be an admission counselor. You know, counseling students and, and helping them at every turn along the way. Um, you know, another part of my job is sort of a, a recruiter. You know, helping sort of uh, draw interest in Boston College, maybe expose people to Boston College. who don't know as much about it as others do. Uh, and then another part of my job is to sort of be the person who evaluates applications um, and uh, you know, helps try to find students that are a good fit for BC. Um, you know, I don't like to think of myself as someone who uh, is uh, rejecting students from college, but I, I think of myself as someone who's helping students apply to college and you know, sort of facilitating students' ability to find their best college match
0: my mother actually worked in uh, admissions at Suffolk University for over 25 years. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that, I didn't know that. Yeah, it was more, more graduate, but same same kind of title you had, but in the graduate work. So- Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. it's certainly, uh, certainly a lot of work. And, um, yeah. you know, when you kind of think about um, this time of year in particular, what do you find to be the most enjoyable? And then maybe on the other side, the most challenging part of the, of the job?
2: Yeah, so, um, you know, I, I think at this time of year, uh, it's sort of both exciting and can be anxiety-inducing for the students uh, as well, because um, you know it's exciting that students are starting their senior year; they sort of have all of this opportunity and hope in front of them about the the college application process. But at the same time, I fully understand that you know that can be anxiety-inducing for students as well. Um, you know, I know that a lot of people say I hear all the time for high school students: "Oh, junior year is going to be the toughest. It's going to be so hard for you." and and while I think that's true, uh, I think that that sort of discredits how challenging senior year can be for students sometimes. Because, you know, from my perspective at least, the work doesn't stop senior year academically, and then you have this whole college application process on top of it. So, so I definitely want students to know that that we recognize um all the different directions that you're being pulled in in that way, and <laughs> and you know, we while I fully understand and can admit that. We don't necessarily make this process as easy as possible on you. Um, We try to, and we can definitely, you know, empathize with with all the stresses and demands that you're under. Absolutely. Now, would you,
0: when you talk a little bit about the difference between juniors and seniors going through this process, what kind of advice
2: do you have for them? and, And does it differ depending on the grade the student is in? Yeah, that's a great question, um, because it definitely does differ. Um, you know, I think the conversations that I'm having with seniors is is very different than the conversations that I'm having with juniors. Um, you know, for juniors, I think that uh, it, it's a great opportunity when I get to speak with them because for juniors, there's still a lot of time where they can make some decisions to strengthen their applications even further. And one of the biggest pieces of advice that I tell high school juniors is to make sure you don't take your foot off the gas. Um, especially, I see it a lot with you know students' senior year schedule and the courses that they're enrolling in. Because um, you know I I fully understand with how stressful everything can be. You know, if you're picking out your senior year schedule and your high school is saying. Oh, you know, technically, you only have to take these, you know three classes in order to meet the minimum graduation requirements. It can be tempting to maybe say, oh, well, I'll just, you know, meet those minimum requirements and that will allow me to graduate. But if you're thinking about trying to put yourself in the most competitive position possible from a college admission standpoint, um you probably want to think about, okay, you know, how can I show that, you know, I'm continuing to challenge myself, even when I might not have to, um, you know, I am staying enrolled in a really strong and challenging curriculum. Um, because, you know, that's what you're going to be doing in college, you're going to be taking really challenging courses in college. And, and we want to make sure that that you feel ready for that challenge, and that you've shown that you're ready for it by taking challenging courses in your senior year. Mm-hmm. On the other side of the thing for seniors, you know, the the advice for them is more just, you know, around crafting their applications and sort of advising them to try not to get caught up in the hype around college admissions and really do a lot of self-reflection in the process. Because I think that it's really easy to sort of have your process influenced by so many different outside factors. But I think that what is going to help you land at the school that's the best fit for you is doing a lot of reflecting about what you truly want in the process. Um, It's so easy to get caught up in what you think people want from you, where people think you should go, looking at those college ranking lists, which can, you know, be, you know, tempting to look at sometimes, but, you know, sometimes what goes into them, you'd be surprised about how those rankings are, are determined and thinking that, oh, I need to be, you know, at the highest ranked school at all costs. If, you know, a school that, is technically by those ranking systems maybe slightly lower ranked could be a much better fit for you. That's you know something that you seriously want to consider for yourself. So I would say those are sort of the the types of conversations that I'm often having with juniors versus seniors.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's great. I oh, I, well, and that's great advice. I appreciate that. We're we're often dealing with the rankings too. I think our high school is often kind of ranked at certain um, you know high up on certain rankings depending on the publication. And it is funny when you start to look at what we're being rated on. I don't think the community knows that uh, sometimes, you know, but you talk a little bit about the difference between juniors and seniors and what we deal with a lot here at the high school is not knowing exactly where you might want to go or what you might want to study, but thinking that you have to take all those high level classes. And so when you look at a school like Hopkinton High School, I know we have a lot of applicants that, that apply to BC, is the level of class you take the most important part of the application process? And if not, what other things are you considering? I'm sure there's a
2: lot. Yeah, great question. Uh, You know, we get this question a lot and it's hard to say there is like a magic formula or a one size fits all model for how we evaluate all applications because there isn't, you know, there isn't something where we're saying, okay, you know, the transcript gets weighted this percentage in the process, and the essay gets weighted this percentage, and so on and so forth, because we understand that every student is different, the context surrounding every every student's application and what makes that up, the context surrounding their high school is all different, and, and there might be some push-pull factors that, you know, uh, that are having us evaluate applications in different ways. That being said, I would say that what's sort of at the center of how we evaluate most applications and what we might spend the most time looking at on any given application is the academic transcript. Um, So that will tell us, you know, the grades that a student got in high school and the courses that they took in high school. Um, Because, you know, that is a four-year body of work uh, that you've spent a lot of time on over the last four years. And and how you've done academically over the last four years, we think, so, we think gives us a, a pretty good indication of how you're going to do academically over the next four years in college. Um, so I would say that's what we spend the most time evaluating. But we also understand that there are, are so many different factors that can also move your application and how we feel about it in different directions. And, and there are a lot of factors that tell the story of what your transcript might look like, Right? we're not just saying, okay, you know, what is your GPA? And that's all we care about. We understand that there are factors like grade trends, right? Maybe your freshman year didn't go so well because for whatever reason, the transition to high school is really challenging, but then you really knocked out of the park sophomore year, junior year, and senior year, and you were just trending upward that entire time. That's something that's actually really encouraging to see. And and while that overall GPA, you know, might not be at the exact number that you want it to be because of that freshman year, um, that upward trend is sometimes just as important as that. Um, And when it comes to courses, you know, that's something that we look really closely at as well, because, as I mentioned before, um, we hope that you're going to go to a college that is challenging for you. in order to help you grow and that you're going to be taking challenging courses there. So we just want to make sure that students are prepared for that challenge. Now, that doesn't mean that we want to contribute to this frenzy where, you know, everyone has to take every single AP course and then demand that their high school offers even more AP courses because they need to take more. That's not really how it works. Um, We understand that it's not feasible for every student to take every single AP course in every single subject area. It's not feasible, you know, from a a student-centered perspective. It's not feasible from a logistical scheduling perspective. And we understand that there are so many of those factors at play. Are you looking at the number of APs a kid can take and then how many they are
0: taking? Because I think we've had these conversations about maybe limiting the amount of APs a kid can take in a year to kind of reduce some of that stress, have them focus on what they care most about. But I think there's pushback on the other end that that might hurt their chances of getting into college. I'd love to hear your... Kind of experience with that, if you have any.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. And we evaluate every application in the context of their high school and in the context of what's being offered at their high school. And so we would never, ever penalize a student for not doing something that isn't offered at their high school, right? And so it's all about maximizing what's available to you. Uh, You know, Some of the absolute best high schools that I read and some of the strongest students that I read, they might come from a high school where the limit and it's sort of normal to take like one or two AP classes a year and that's all that you can do. And I know that if a student is doing that and doing well in them, they're doing the best they possibly can and they're absolutely maximizing what is available to them and you know those ap classes might even be more rigorous because there are fewer offered so the teachers can maybe expect a little bit more in that sense and and we fully understand that we're pretty well trained in, in our job in you know really getting to know our high schools really well we sort of um Help manage different high schools and become experts on different high schools. And it's our job to know our high schools really well and fully understand what that is. So, you know, the community can rest assured that the people reading the applications from Hopkinton High School are experts at what's offered at ha- Hopkinton High School and every year know exactly how something may have changed from a curricular standpoint and uh are really not penalizing students in any way. Um if you know they are just maximizing what's available to them. so I always say, you know, you you want to sort of put yourself, I don't want to minimize the um, the importance of rigor because you want to make sure that you're taking rigorous curriculum. but you know, if you're looking at those most highly selective schools in the college admission process, just make sure that you are sort of in the general ballpark of what, the really smart kids at your school typically do. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if they're taking two or three AP classes by the time they graduate and great, like maybe try to be enrolled in those two or three AP classes, pick the ones that you're most passionate about and go for that. Maybe they're enrolled in four or five. Right. And then that's the choice that you make and you sort of say, okay, you know, this is what the top kids from my school typically do. So I want to try to be in that ballpark. Um, that's really what it's all about because rest assured that we fully understand exactly what it means to take any given number of AP classes at your school. And you should never be worried that, you know, if a high school only offers a certain number of AP classes or limits a certain number of AP classes, that just arbitrarily hurts uh, you in the college admission process that sort of, you know, in, in a way discredits my ability and professional judgment as a, as an admission counselor, because I, I promise you that we work really hard to, to understand that context
0: so uh, along those lines that we wanted to kind of dig it a little bit deeper into um outside of the classroom and so a lot of students will get involved in clubs here and there's often discussions is it better to focus on a few core passions when it comes to clubs and extracurriculars or kind of diversify yourself and be involved in a lot of different things does that play into your decision and if so how much
2: yeah, uh, you know, great question. I It's funny, I just got this question the other day um, when I was visiting a, a high school and a student asked me, uh, sort of with the wording, uh, which student would you admit? Would you admit the jack of all trades or would you admit the student that is sort of the master of one and in depth uh, in re- one particular area? And my answer was uh, both. Um, you know, we're, we're really not looking for one particular type of student. And, you know, we want to enroll a diverse student body uh, at Boston College and every admission council that you talk to would say that about their school. And, you know, that diversity, you know, spans so many different areas. And one of them is, you know, how students are involved and engaged in their communities. I don't want all students at Boston College who are only experts in one particular subject area, because those types of students, you know, maybe they won't engage with each other and intermingle with sort of different clubs and find that overlap. But at the same time, we don't want all students who are just sort of jacks of all trades and that's the only thing and they never really get in depth in any one particular area. Both types of students bring so much value to a university. And so there's not really one sort of right answer or one preferred path when it comes to looking at those two things. My advice is stick to what feels right to you and what's genuine to who you are. If you're the type of person that it's meaningful to you to be involved in a lot of different things, then go do that. Uh, if you're the type of person that, you know, y- your personality is just more like you're gonna really go in depth on one particular thing and be really passionate about that. Do that as well. We can see sort of how genuine a student is in their application and and it really comes across to us. So don't try to be something that you're not. Your application is going to read best when you're being true to yourself. Uh, so you know when when we can tell how genuine you are and that you've engaged in your community in a way that's meaningful to you, Uh, that's what's gonna come across in the most impressive way to us. That's great. That's awesome. Thank you for that. So recently,
0: I feel like there's been a lot of talk about schools being test optional, uh, SAT, ACT. And I'm not, to be honest, not sure where BC lands on that, but um, a lot of conversations we have with our students about that. I guess, are schools really test optional is my first question. And the second is if you have two students who are very similar in terms of grades and extracurriculars, and one has taken some of those tests and some have not one has not how do you make that decision and is one better than the other.
2: My answer again is sort of both I take both the kids right if they if I if I love their grades I love their extracurriculars I love their essays and, and one assessing and one doesn't, Um, you know, uh, so, you know, the The pandemic really sort of flipped what many people knew the college admission process to be for years uh, upside down a bit. Um, Because, you know, for years, schools like Boston College, they required students to submit the SAT or the ACT with their application. And then when the pandemic hit and that put a lot of stress on students ability to access and take these standardized tests, we waived that requirement. And and so we were test optional for the last two years and we're test optional for this upcoming year as well for seniors. for high school juniors out there, we haven't yet made a decision about the future. Um, we understand so many of the benefits of staying test optional, but we also want to look at the data from these first three years and and use that to make a really informed decision about, about the best way to move forward as well. Um, Does it make your job easier or harder without the test scores? Yeah, um, in a way, I think it makes it easier because... Um, it, there's just more flexibility now than uh, I would say being, you know, confined or tied down to a specific number. Again, sometimes I think the number on that test in certain circumstances, it can have value, it can help in a way, um, but, you know, uh, not having that is sometimes feels like one less constraint or just uh, thing that I have to consider in the process. Um, but, uh, you know, I would say that when it comes to test optional in schools that are particularly recently test optional, I would really encourage students, uh, prospective students out there to, you know, push these schools uh, with your questions about the data surrounding standardized test scores and and what it has really meant for them to be test optional for the last couple of years. Because I think there are a lot of schools, you know, when they say they're test optional uh, and that's their new policy, they truly are. But then, you know, you might find some schools where you find they are, they say they're test optional, but the data shows that. Um, most students that are getting in are submitting standardized test scores. And that tells you something as well. And that might be helpful to know, you know, at Boston Mm -hmm. college, I think the data shows that when we say we're test optional, um, we truly were. Cause last year uh, our incoming freshman class at BC, about 47% of them did not have test scores when they applied. So that shows you that you can get into Boston college without standardized test scores. A a lot of students did last year, um, Mm -hmm. nearly half of the freshman class. Mm -hmm. I, people will ask, you know, well, will I be penalized if I don't submit my standardized test scores? And I say, well, you're not going to be just objectively or arbitrarily penalized or, or knocked for not submitting standardized test scores. Mm. What happens is we'll essentially just remove that piece from the equation of how we're evaluating applications and put all the focus and all the emphasis on all the things you did submit. So I do say that while you won't be penalized for not submitting standardized test scores, if you're not submitting them, hopefully you feel really good about those other things that you are submitting, because we're going to be spending even more time putting even more weight and more focus on those things that you are submitting, like the grades that you got, the courses that you took, and all the other things that you'll submit alongside it.
0: Yeah, speaking of those other things, um, a, a lot of stress, I think some of the seniors under right now is, is crafting those college essays. Mm-hmm. Um uh, in your opinion, uh, where do they factor in? And then maybe just, I'd love to hear kind of what some essays over the years that have stood out to
2: you and why. Yeah, absolutely. So the essay I I think is a really important part of the application um, because it's really one of the only times in the application that you get to use your own voice, which sounds crazy um, because you think I'm crafting this pretty long application, but a lot of it um, can, you know, end up being a little formulaic because, you know, your transcript is a form that you can't really change by the time you submit it. Um, even the activity section that you fill out on the resume, that's sort of a bit formulaic and how you're filling it out there. Um, you know, if you're taking test scores, that's just a number that we're getting. Uh, but the essay is actually your chance to use your own voice. Uh, so it really allows admission counselors to get to know you as they're reading their applications. and and you know while I'm, what i'm about to say can be a bit of an oversimplification of the process but i often feel like the more i get to know a student by reading their application the harder time i have saying no to them because often i feel like you know I, I got to know this student so well i can really see a place for them on our campus i can see how they'd fit in here you know based on what they're writing about and and how they portrayed themselves in their application you know that can be a really compelling uh reason to to potentially admit a student um and your essay, it really just needs to be personal to you. A lot of people will say, you know, there's are subject areas uh, that you should or shouldn't write about, and and not really as long as you're writing about it in a way that's personal to you. You know, for example, a lot of people will say, well, you know, maybe don't write about sports because a lot of people write about it, or don't write about, you know, losing a grandparent or something because a lot of people might write about that. But as long as you write about it in a way that is really personal to you, that's what's most important. You know, uh, those those essays that are most compelling about a student losing a grandparent, what I find is that you know, the, the really successful ones are about the student. Um, sometimes I read a lot of essays and I learn a lot about the grandparent and I I learned how great the grandparent is and which is fantastic, but it it didn't tell me a lot no, about the student. Either. And those essays uh, that are teach me about the student are the ones that are most successful. And you know, you really can write about anything. I love to use the example of one of the best college essays that I've ever read, and it it always sticks in my mind. Was about um, black bean dip from Trader Joe's. It mm-hmm. was an incredible <laughs> essay. The student wrote about how you know, um, he and his family had an obsession with the black bean salsa dip from Trader Joe's. Uh, But the only problem was the nearest Trader Joe's was three hours away from his house. Uh, So uh, like once a month, he or one of his family members would go on a pilgrimage to Trader Joe's and buy like a case of black bean dip to last them a month until their next trip. And he said that one day he went there and there wasn't any black bean dip. He, and he told the person, you know, I drove three hours here for black bean dip. Can you can you check if they're in the back or anything? And the person working at Trader Joe said, uh, it's actually discontinued. We don't make that anymore. The black bean bean dip's gone. And the student uh, said, the best line of the essay was he said, you know, I had finally met my arch nemesis in life, Trader Joe, but he spelled it Trader, G R A I T O R. And he sort of tied it in with this really, you know, uh, sort of nice uh, theme about, uh, you know, how he had sort of struggled with like, uh, accepting loss in life, and you know, with losing family members or whatever it might be, and this was sort of another loss that he had to grieve and accept. And in a way, it sort of taught him how he had to move on and and maybe just find something new to focus on. and And you'd think an essay about salsa really is that like what is going to be most memorable to you? But it just told me so much about this student's voice and and what was important to them, and and it was a great essay. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. That's really funny. Um, so.
0: Just a few more questions that uh, I have for you. I think a lot of people in in town uh, and our students here and families um, are curious about this and clearly you're talking to me. So it might, you you might be led in a certain direction, but I'd love to know kind of how Hopkinton high school is perceived uh, by colleges around the area. Like, you know, what are some things that are highlights from our school
2: or things that when you see an applicant come from Hopkinton, you feel good about? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. And so I would just say, um, you know, we know how great the preparation is that students are receiving at Hopkins High School. Um, You know, we know how incredible the teachers are there, and we know how incredible the opportunities are there um, academically. Whether that means that, you know, you can take seven or eight AP courses, or whether you can take three or four, we know that regardless of what that limit is, the courses that you're going to be taking are really, really, you know, valuable and the students are gaining a lot of value out of them. Um, So, you know, that's um, that's always, you know, really compelling for us to see. And just the amount of opportunities that you have to get involved outside of the classroom as well. We know just, you know, you use the word community. And and I think that, you know, that's a great word to describe Hopkins in high school from my perspective, because it's a community where students just have a lot of opportunity to engage with one another in meaningful ways. And so, um, you know, I think one of the other sides of it is that when we know there's so much opportunity for engagement there, we hope that students take advantage of it and really like when their applications reflect that. And when we see like, yeah, like, they're at a high school with a, a great place to engage. That's a great place to engage and, and they are engaged. They're taking advantage of that. Before I let you go from, from your perspective, when you
0: look at students that are going to be, you know, applying to BC in the coming years, is is there a skill that you're seeing that maybe some incoming freshmen are lacking or a course that maybe we should be offering to our students that we're not based on your, which I know it might be an unfair question, but just curious yeah. about as we, continue to try to be the best school that we can possibly be and give our students all the opportunities for success? Just didn't know if you had any thoughts on that.
2: Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So, you know, I don't think that there's a particular course that we say like, you know, you need to have this course by the, the time that you graduate. Because like I said before, you know, we know that every high school offers different things and we're not expecting students to have the skills or have the background knowledge in a course that, you know, isn't necessarily offered or available to them. So, you know, going back to that idea, we never penalize students for not taking something that they don't have access to. And so I wouldn't say that there's a course that is like a must have course in a curriculum at any high school in that way. Um But I would say that what I would encourage students to sort of uh, explore their senior year a lot, and I don't think this has to be a course, but I think that it should be something that students think about and maybe there are workshops in high school around it but a lot around sort of like time and stress management i would say is really important because i actually find that that is the biggest sort of transition that students need to adjust to when it comes to going to college because in college it's it's really different than high school and that you know in high school you're in class from 8 to 3 every day right and your schedule is pretty set for you you know you are told you're going to be in class from this time to this time, this class from here to here. You're going to be doing these activities after school from this time to this time. And you'll probably do homework after that, go to sleep, wake up and do it all over the next day. And in college, a lot of that is out the window because you're sort of making your own schedule and you are maybe getting out of class. You you don't start class until 10 a.m. some days. You might get out of class before one some days. And then you might have a long break in the day and then you go back to class from six to eight for a night class. Right. And I think students aren't necessarily prepared for that level of independence and freedom in a way. And they don't necessarily know, okay, you know, I have a long break in the middle of the day. Do I go home? Do I go to the library and and study and put in time? And realistically, you're in class for a fewer number of hours in college as well. But I think it might mean that they expect a little bit more work from you outside of class and to put in some of those hours outside of class to prepare yourself uh, for a meaningful class experience as well. And and students need to adjust to that in a way. So I think a lot of it is sort of about mindset, but a lot of it is about stress management as well, because I think that um, you know, you'll know you be less stressed if you just sort of have a, a healthy and, and thoughtful approach to things. And so I would really encourage students to sort of think about that in advance. You know, What type of study environment works well for me? Do I study best in my room, in a library, in study groups? what type of schedule works best for me? Um, Should I try to avoid having long breaks in the day because I'm not as productive with that? I get distracted or or is that built in time that works really well for me? So I don't necessarily think it's like, this is a course that you need to have, but maybe just workshops around, you know, thinking about how, you know, your schedule in high school might be a lot different than your schedule in college and and taking what you learned from high school to try to teach yourself how to adapt that to a new college schedule that you're going to be facing.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I saw an article recently, I think it was the New York Times, but um, don't quote me on that one, but about the schedule of, of schools and how it's been like this you know, forever. And it's really unlike most professions that students are getting ready for, just kind of clocking in at a certain time and you have five minutes to go to the next thing and five minutes to go to the next thing, 20 minutes for lunch and it's just just grind. So it's interesting. That's a very good point about time and stress management. Um, You know, we're talking to our students a lot about financial literacy and mental health literacy, as well as kind of our general core curriculum. So all things that are really important, but Owen, I really want to just thank you for taking the time. This is really nice talking to you. This is great advice for our students and our families and, um, you know, keep admitting our students to BC.
2: (laughs) Of course. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You know, I try to do as much as I can to demystify this process. I I think that sometimes it's shrouded in unnecessary secrecy, and and I don't think it should be. Um, you know, I didn't get into this job to deny students. I got into it to help students uh, apply to college, and and um, you know, uh, we try to be as transparent as possible, and hopefully that it's it, it's helpful in in just helping people relax a little bit, and and hopefully land at the place that's the best fit for them.
0: I just want to thank Caitlin and Owen for joining us. A lot of great advice, a lot of great insight. Um, Hope you enjoyed those conversations. And yeah, I'll close with this. As long as I've worked at the high school, I've done my best not to talk with seniors, especially around this time about the college application process. Now, whether a student's applying to schools early, later, or maybe not at all, irregardless, this time of year can be pretty stressful. But I'd like to say, you know, while, while we get ready to, to embark on this time of deadlines and hearing back from schools, that I truly hope everything works out the way that our seniors have hoped and that they have planned. Um, they all deserve it. They've, they've had a very interesting uh, four years, especially with the last few years of COVID. You know, this group of students has worked extremely hard over the last few years, and and, and they're all amazingly talented in their own ways. And, you know, however, if things don't work out as you hope, meaning you get rejected from maybe that dream school, trust me, it's going to be okay. I can assure you acceptance and or rejection to a college on your list will not be the reason you will or won't be successful and happy in life. Although important. The decision you make on how you spend your time post-high school is not the be-all and end-all like it might seem right now. Uh, Some of the most successful people I know went to schools that aren't considered the quote-unquote most prestigious schools in the country. And in my opinion, what really matters is what you do once you get there, wherever there may be. Things not working out as planned as a part of life, for example, I was rejected for more colleges than I'd like to admit. Uh, six or so years after that, I was not hired at the first three high schools I applied to. I can only imagine how bad my interview was. Thank you uh, for Hopkinton for taking a chance on me back then, but there were multiple times where it didn't go great for me. Um, and in 2009, when I applied to be the varsity football coach here at HHS, Chase, I didn't get it. You know, all disappointing moments for me, but moments I learned quite a bit from, and all of which have helped shape The person I am today. So again, I apologize for the rant. Uh, Again, I wish all of the seniors and all the senior parents the best throughout this process. Try, although it's difficult, not to stress too much over it. Instead, believe that it'll all work out in the end. As always, if you have questions about post-secondary planning, we have a tremendous guidance staff. I encourage you to reach out to our counselors anytime. They're here to help and assist you through everything. So until next time, thanks for listening. Go Hillers, and we'll talk soon.